Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. Would you please take your Bibles, open them to the book of John, the Gospel of John. So if you don't have a Bible in the house, uh, you don't have a Bible available, you can use your phone. There are free apps that are available. I mean, even if you Googled it, you go to Bible.com or Bible.org and you can look at John chapter 11 where we drop into the life of a family. It would be very similar if we were to drop into your life today. Jesus meeting you where you are. Now chapter 11 is a very difficult chapter because the family is suffering. They're suffering greatly. Chapter 11 opens up with a certain man that was sick. His name is Lazarus and they lived in Bethany. This is the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And now Jesus loved Mary, or loved Martha and her sister, and Lazarus. And when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Can I ask you a question? Who do you trust when times get tough? Because if there was an ever, a t- ever a time in our lives where collectively we're suffering very much the same thing, it's now. And so who do you trust? Who do you trust when times get tough? Where do you turn? What is it that gives you a, a peace and an encouragement? How do you cope? Because if there's one thing we can expect in life, it's tough times. We live in a sin-sick world. In Luke chapter 21, let me just read it to you in verse 25. Jesus said in the last days, and I know there's a lot of discussion about the last days. There has been a lot of discussion about the last days for a long time now. And it seems like every generation, oh, you're not saying, oh, we're in the last days. Oh, and it's almost been, become something that's a mockery and made fun of. But listen, friend, we are living in the last days. Every generation that was waiting for the soon return of Jesus Christ believed, as we do today, that they were living in the last days, except that what we're seeing today in our generation, technology, uh, technologically, you know, globally, we're seeing things that no generation has ever seen before. I mean, the greatest sign that we're in the last days was the rebirth of the nation of Israel, the most significant prophetic thing to happen in our generation. And here we are in the last days and Jesus said there'll be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and on the earth. There'll be distress of nations with perplexity. The sea and the waves will roar. Men's hearts will fail them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then you'll see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with great power and great glory. And when you see these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. 
And I can think of no more difficult time on the earth personally and painfully than the loss of a loved one. And here, Mary and Martha, they lose their brother. And notice when they sent word when he was sick and alive, Jesus purposely waited two days before he arrived. And it was during that time that Lazarus died. And here they are, wondering about life. You have to understand, the culture surrounding Mary and Martha at this time, the Greek culture, there was no hope after death. There was no hope in the afterlife. In the face of death, the pagan world was in despair. They met it with grim resignation and bleak hopelessness. Not unlike the world in which we live that has this mindset of eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we die. There's this bleak hopelessness. But Jesus comes right in the middle of a hopeless situation with hope. And when he arrives, he begins to speak the truth. And if there's anything that we need during a time of great difficulty, and we need the truth. We need to be men and women, boys and girls, that speak the truth in love. That tell people the truth about life. That tell people the truth about death. And tell people the truth about the hope of the resurrection that's found by faith in Jesus Christ. So I want you to fast forward in John to verse 25 where Jesus drops in. Well, pick up with me in verse 20. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Can you hear the disappointment? If you would have been here, things would have been different. And there's a, if you look at that question from the other side of it, the other side of that question could be, where were you? Where were you in my deepest need? Because if you were here, things would be different. But even now, in verse 22, even now, my brother, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And listen to what Jesus says. This is so powerful. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? <laughs> what a powerful statement Jesus makes. It's another one of those I am statements. I am. John has taken us through in his gospel Many I am statements that reflect the divinity of Jesus Christ, his deity. Back in chapter 4, he says, I who speak to you am he. In chapter 6, he says, I am the bread of life. In chapter 8, he says, I'm the light of the world. Again, in chapter 8, he says, if you don't believe that I am. Again, in chapter 8, Jesus says, I, before Abraham was, I am. I am the good shepherd, chapter 10. I am the door, chapter 10. Fast forward to chapter 15, I am the vine. Here he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Chapter 13 says you, that you might believe that I am. Chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And each time Jesus said it, he was saying that he was God. 
You see, God shows up in the midst of our pain. Oh, not that he wasn't there before. I guess it's better to say, because I think that that statement gives us that sense of looking for him. When somebody shows up, you look for him. You look for them. And so to say that with that, that perspective, it's like, yes, when, when you're in pain and difficulty, Jesus Christ is there. He shows up. But, but the other side of that coin is probably better put this way. When in the deep parts of pain and sorrow and grief and difficulty and pressure and problems, we begin to look for God. Are you looking for God today? Do you feel like Martha did? If you were here, this wouldn't have happened. Are you sitting in a jail cell right now, literally? Never before have I been more appreciative of our radio station than I am today. Because knowing that radio and that simplicity of technology is reaching into places that online services will never be able to reach. Are you listening to this in a jail cell? Are you listening or watching this in a hospital room? Are you sitting around the front room considering both the life the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but also looking at the situation that you're in? Well, God shows up in pain, and he shows up with the truth. Jesus shows up and declares his divinity. He he says that I am. Any Jewish mind would remember when God revealed himself to Moses, he declared, and Moses said, if I'm gonna go for you, if I'm gonna be your messenger, who should I say sent me? Which is a great thing. Who sent me? And God's response is, you tell them that I am sent you, the becoming one. When Jesus speaks these I am statements, he's equating himself with God because he is. God says that I am the becoming one. I am whatever you need. It's not the revelation of God is not I was. The revelation of God is not I will be, but I am. Jehovah, simply to be. And if you tuned in today and you're watching this Bible study receiving it and you have a need, which we really all do. All of us have great needs. God says to you, I am. Perhaps the need is financial. Maybe you need wisdom. Maybe you need help. Maybe you need healing. God reveals himself as Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide in Genesis chapter 22. Maybe the need in your life is protection, comfort, covering. Well, God reveals himself as Jehovah Nissi. The Lord is my banner, Exodus 17. Perhaps your need is peace. Well, God reveals himself as Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace, Judges chapter six. Maybe it's isolated, anxious, feeling alone. God reveals himself as Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is there, Ezekiel chapter 48. It could be sickness in your body. And God reveals himself as Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals, Exodus chapter 15. What about this delay? Jesus delays his coming by two days. And and we're not really encouraged by the delays of God. Uh, Most times, the delays of God bring us great discouragement. Because we're so conditioned, we want things to happen now. And we have things figured out. I mean, as you take an inventory right now, consider how you have solutions already that, you know, if we would just implement this solution, if we could just take care of this, and if we could just do it this way, 
And then only to find out that your solution isn't what's asked for in the moment. That, that nobody's even asking for your solution right now. But there's a delay and a delay and then another announcement and then another delay. And right when you thought things were going to get better, another delay. And so we respond to the delays of things in our lives with great discouragement. But just because God delays, listen, just because God delays doesn't mean he doesn't care. Doesn't mean that he doesn't care. Sometimes God's delays, no, not even sometimes, all the times that God delays in our lives, even the delay that we're currently in, every single time God is revealing to himself to us in a new, fresh way, a way different than what we're used to or even expect. Delays in our lives tell us that it's not the right timing Delays in our lives tell us that God's going to show us something great. God is always working for his glory and our good. And so Jesus comes to Martha on his timing. And yes, sometimes the timing of God will lead to even greater pain in our lives. Even greater difficulty. And we think, man, can I just get a break sometimes? Can I just get a break? It seems like life has been one significant thing after another and I've heard from many and I've spoken to many and I've emailed with many and I've texted back with many in the last few weeks only to find out not only are there great restrictions and isolation and stay-at-home orders and things but in the midst of that you had even greater pain happen in your life and I want you to know that God cares and I'm sorry I'm sorry for the difficulty I'm sorry for the tension there are times in my life where I, you know, like, like when your kids were getting sick. I remember when my kids were young and they would get sick and I'd, I'd literally lay over them when they had a fever. I'd lay over them and I would just ask God, and he never did grant this to me, but I would just ask God if I could take their sickness for a moment, if I could just relieve the pressure, I would take it upon myself. How much more, how much more does God care? As a dad cares for his kids, how much more does God care as a heavenly father? So Jesus, he comes with compassion. It's almost as if when Jesus answers her, you know, you're thinking in the theological realm, Martha. You're thinking about what's going to happen. You're thinking about a Bible study you heard. You're thinking about the resurrection. But I'm telling you, I am the resurrection. I am life. And even though a person dies, when they have, by, by faith in me, they will live forever. And anyone that lives and believes in me will really never die. I'm the resurrection and the life and what you need is me right now. More than a theological teaching, more than a Bible study, more than a three-point sermon, Jesus comes in the midst of pain and says, look, all of those, all of those things, a theological thing, a Bible study, all of those things are great, but what you need is me. Do you believe this? Do you believe what I'm saying to you now? I am the resurrection and the life. I, Jesus says, not a church, not a movement, not a denomination, obviously not a building. Jesus says, I am, I am. And I love her answer in verse 27. It says, come back to John with me as we wind down here. He says, she, she answers and says, yes, Lord, I believe that you're the Christ, the son of God, who will come into the world. 
And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher has come and is calling for you. And as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. And Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Verse 31, then the Jews who were with her in the house were comforting her. And when they saw that Mary rose up quickly, they went out, followed her, saying, she's going to the tomb to weep there. And then Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, fell down at his feet saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So you can tell they've been talking about this. They've been considering it. Do you know all the things that are even in your mind and your heart right now, God knows that you've been considering things. And I just sense that there's, a, there's someone watching and listening right now that's considering ending your life because it's been so hard. And I've come, and this time today, we've come to share with you and remind you that your life is valuable. And would you please talk to somebody that your life is important and it's hard and it's challenging. And maybe you feel like this very statement, Lord, if you, Jesus, if you, maybe it's not even a tender me, maybe you're angry and you're frustrated. God, if you, God, why? God, if you would have only, and God is speaking life into you right now. He's reminding you he's the resurrection and that you've been put on this planet for a purpose in this time period right now. And we're going to make it. We're going to get through. Would you call someone? Would you reach out? We have a text line right here. It's open 24 hours, seven days a week. You can text us directly. You ready? Write this down. Text us. 720-336-0897. Text us. Just, just have us to begin praying for you. If, if you're younger, tell your mom or your dad what you're going through. If you're married, talk to your spouse. Reach out. You're not as alone as it feels right now. Jesus was asked this question. How many times we've, Jesus has been asked this question so many times. It's so challenging. Well, as we continue on reading, it's, as, there, as the question comes, verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled himself. We see his great divinity, but now we see his humanity. He's hurting too. And he says in verse 34, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And then he says in verse 35, he says, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. God brings us to situations that are hard and tough and difficult. We then cry out to him in faith, trusting him, and we know who, who he is and how he showed himself before, but sometimes we question God's faithfulness. We, we question his plan. And it, it sounds something like this, you know, God, if, if you're good, then why? God, if you're faithful, then Why? God, you've let the whole bottom fall out and, and, and really all this time of revelation of where we are in relationship to him, especially in that time of waiting and especially in that time of loss. I'm sure there isn't one of us that if I was to say, hey, anybody doubt the power of God? Nobody would raise their hands. Nobody. We don't doubt that God has the ability to do great and wonderful things. 
We've actually experienced God's ability to do great and wonderful things. We love him and we know him and we've watched him be faithful in the past. Our lives right now, as we, we think about a G, hashtag, Jesus changed my life. Our lives right now is proof positive that God works miracles, that he opens blind eyes, that he brings the spiritually dead to life. That's power. And it's not that we doubt that. We know that God has power. We know that he's faithful. But the question on our mind is this. It's not God's ability, but it's God's willingness. Is he willing to act? And as I'm praying, am I praying for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven? Or am I praying for my will to be done? Because anytime I pray for my will to be done and it doesn't line up with God's, I'm disappointed. I'm setting myself up for failure. This interaction between the sisters and Jesus is beautiful. It's, it's amazing. It says in verse 35 that Jesus wept. And then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also kept, kept this man from dying? If you'd like to write in your Bibles, you can write next to in verse 37. The answer to the question is yes. Jesus could have kept this whole situation differently. But remember what he said in verse 4. This sickness is not unto death, but it's for the glory of God. That's what God is working out in our lives. It's for his glory to bring attention to him and his power. That's why we live. That's why we breathe. One thing that you'll notice the longer you live with Jesus Christ is that people will often misunderstand you. And I don't mean like in the super negative way, like slander and gossip and stuff. Like the people that purposely lie about you. I'm not talking about that. Those type of people, they don't misunderstand you. They know the truth and choose to lie anyway. No, what I'm talking about is in your new life, it doesn't make sense to people. You being born again, living now according to a different standard, living now according to the purposes and plans of God, doesn't make sense to people. That why are you always talking about God, they say. Why are you going to church again? Or even in the context of our time now, why are you sitting around in your room watching a live television, live service or a worship service on your television or on your iPad? Or why is your radio station always like, like people don't understand you? They don't understand the new language that you have. As you begin to speak forth God's word into your life, you'll be misunderstood. It will happen. And it does happen. And it might even lead to serious persecution. And yet even in the misunderstandings, even when people see things differently, Jesus, he's with you in the midst of that difficulty. He's with you. He's with us. Again, back in verse 32, it says, When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. There's one thing that you can't help but hear is that emotion that's in the moment. The emotion of Mary, the emotion of Jesus. He says the response in verse 33 is when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. Where have you laid him? And they said, Lord, come and see, and Jesus weeps. 
We learn of love's delays and now we see love's display as Jesus emotionally responds to the difficulties around him. Do you know Jesus' emotion in this way? Three times in the Bible we read of Jesus weeping. This one right here where he weeps with Mary. In Luke chapter 19, he weeps over an entire city, the city of Jerusalem, and their unwillingness to receive him as Christ, as their Messiah. And then once again, it's recorded in Luke chapter 22 in the Garden of Gethsemane as he expresses great emotion, as he groans and cries, struggling in his humanity with the decision to say yes to the cross. And you'll notice that Jesus is always weeping, always groaning, always troubled at the effects of sin and what sin does to a person. What's Jesus upset about here? He's not mad at Mary and he's not mad at the mourners. He's upset with what the devil has done. He looks at the pain that sin has caused. He created Adam and Eve and placed them in the garden now. And now, and now, their fall has created so much pain. And yet, their tears would soon be wiped away because notice, Jesus took the very sword of the enemy, had in his hand, and he rises again from the dead. But first we see a picture of it in Lazarus. So it says in verse 38 that Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by by this time there's a stench. Or in the old King James, he stinketh. For he's been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe you'd see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me and I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound, hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. And Lazarus came back to life. Why? Because Jesus demonstrates that care and concern that he has for you and for me. When you cry, he cries. When you hurt, he hurts. Peter knew this. Peter lived it out. In 1 Peter chapter 5, he said, casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you. He cares for you. And this episode in the life of Lazarus is just a real weak picture of the great resurrection that Jesus Christ performed himself as he came out of that tomb three days later. Jesus Christ is alive today according to the promises of God that he lived and he died and he rose again. Why? To forgive you and me of my sin. And that's really the issue. The issue is that our sin has separated us from God. That's the, that's the key. Why did Lazarus die? Oh, you know, because Jesus delayed his coming. No, that's not why. Oh, you know, Jesus could have prevented it. Actually, that's not why. The reason Lazarus died was because of his sin. The wages of sin is death. And if you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, today is that day. Now is that moment. You see, in in the plan and purposes of God, there there is purpose in the pain. And there is purpose in the difficulty. 
There is purpose even waiting three days for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was to fulfill the Bible so that Jesus would be known as a truth teller because he is God in human flesh. Now I realize some of you may be on a mountaintop right now. In mountaintops in the Bible, they describe great times, good times. Sure, it's a little more tougher than others, but, but I'm in a good place right now. Everything is, seems to be going well. There are some challenges, and, and we, we have had to respond to some challenges, but otherwise, things are great. All the lights are turning green. The sky is blue. The flowers are growing. Springtime is coming, and it's wonderful. Or maybe you're at the foot of the mountain. You're at the foot of the issue. And maybe everywhere you look are problems and difficulties, and you're overwhelmed. Remember that God has not abandoned you. He wants your faith to develop. And he's going to come through for you on this. You're going to come through this. You're going to become stronger as a result. You can say this, I can't take it anymore. I've been stretched to my limits. Or you can take it and cast it at the feet of God. Because God has enabled you to face whatever has come our way. For a believer, he hasn't allowed anything into our lives that he won't first enable us in our weakness to make his strength, to make his strength real. And so I want to invite you this resurrection weekend, this time where all that we normally do has been disrupted, that you allow that disruption, believer, friend, part of the Calvary Church family, both near and far, that you would allow this disruption to remind you of the faithfulness of God. It's on his timing. And that in your pain, Jesus is there with you. And in your hurt, he hurts with you. He's gone through, the Bible says, he's been tempted in all ways but without sin. But there are still some of you watching, some of you tuned in right now that have never surrendered your life. You've never asked God to forgive you of your sins. Right now I'm going to ask the worship team to come back and join us as I invite you to decide to follow Jesus Christ. Why is it that you're even at a place of making a decision? Well, because God has revealed himself to you. You think, well, man, I've been through a lot and I've never experienced Jesus coming to me in that way. But today's the day. Today's the day that God has got your attention. Today's the day where God has drawn you to himself. Today's the day where he is desiring a restored relationship with you. And the Bible says this. He says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I want to lead you in a prayer. I want to lead you in a prayer where you accept Jesus Christ into your life. Obviously, if you're driving right now, don't close your eyes. Just talk with me. Maybe there are tears welling up in your eyes where you need to pull over and, and compose yourself because God has really gotten a hold of you, really spoken to you, really revealed himself as the resurrection and the life. He didn't just resurrect. Jesus Christ is the resurrection. He is greater than Lazarus. He is God in human flesh. And he died and rose again so that you might become a follower of him, that you might have your relationship with God restored. So pray this prayer with me, would you? You could say this, God, I admit that I've sinned against you. 
and I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I believe, Jesus, you live for me, died for me, and I believe you rose again from the dead to save my soul. And I dedicate my life to following you from this day forward. I desire a new life to go a new direction. I want the comfort and the help and the hope that that man spoke to me about that I know the Bible says. I want to experience it. Help me, God, to turn away from my sinful past and to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.